0: Hello, welcome. It's time for Atomic Radio Hour the post nuclear podcast. I am your host Vince. How are you? You look fantastic. Welcome to episode 253 of Atomic Radio Hour. Again, my name is Vince. Welcome to the program. I have some things I'd like to talk about. Uh, I got to I got to write some wrongs. I got to say sorry about some stuff. I lied last episode, and I apologize, and we're gonna get into that in the third segment. And I have a really, really fun piece of lore, something that I didn't think I would be super hyped to talk about if you know me, but hey, we're gonna get there in just a moment. First, I'd like to apologize for a little something that I've been going on and on and on and on about for a little too long. In my defense, I don't feel like this is something that I've been complaining about too much, but it is something that I've been complaining about nevertheless, and I feel like I should apologize. If you know anything about me, if you're a fan of my channel, if you're a listener or a watcher of my YouTube channel, you'll you'll see that I have done other projects that aren't just Atomic Radio Hour. One of my favorites that I really hope to one day bring back is a little show called Lizard Brains. My co-host on that show uh, got sick, and I don't really feel like it's my business to divulge what had happened, but we couldn't do it after a certain point in time. It's a show where I watch all the Godzilla movies again with my friend who has never seen any of of them, and I who have seen most if not all of them, and we go through and review them, we talk about how we feel, whatever. I love Godzilla. I've been going through like a Godzilla kick for like the past month. And it's not healthy. It's like everything comes back to that and monster movies and film. Like, it's just, I know what I'm doing to the people around me currently. Anyway, I was watching something and it was, uh, I don't remember if he's was Ishiro Honda or if it was Akira Ikafube, But one of the people that worked on the original Godzilla from 54, King of the Monsters, Gujira, Go- Go- King of the Monsters made a really, really salient point and it made me think about my entire stance on fandom. That being, I've been giving Fallout 4 a lot of, a lot of for lack of a better word, for a very long time and honestly, after hearing this, I feel like I need to kind of cool out on that. One of the people, one of the names I mentioned prior argued that Godzilla, while making his roar, his iconic, you know what, I'm just gonna hit you with it because I love it. Here's his roar. Dope that's like the og roar while making that roar of like loosening a string on an upright bass and using a rubber glove to just run their hand on it they argued that godzilla himself should not roar because he's a mutation of an animal that does not have vocal cords and i'm too harsh on fallout 4 (laughs) because that's my complaint about Jackson Chameleons. As far as I am aware in Fallout Three, could be wrong, but I don't remember in three or in New Vegas Death Claws roaring. But they do in Fallout Four. And if my favorite big lizard of all time can roar, then so can my second favorite big like and then like it got me thinking, like I'm sitting there thinking about that and I'm like, why am I getting so worked up over fiction? <laughs> Like it's such a silly thing to get worked up over about is make believe. Maybe I'm just being overreactive. Yeah, things things change, thing take things take different routes, things do different things, things change from what they are. Maybe that's just what it is. Maybe I maybe I'm too harsh on this game. I've been really itching to go back and play fallout 4 especially after today's lore and i just don't like i don't know it just made me feel silly so i'd like to extend a formal apology not just to the people who listen, but to the fallout 4 crowd that uh, i'm sorry i've been shitting on fallout 4 a little too hardly a little too hard a little too harsh my level of shitting on fallout 4 has been when it's i'm shitting on it for just me being an ass at the end of the day I just want to get right into it i want to talk about the lord before i can talk about the lord i have to talk about the patreon i have to thank the patreon because of the patreon i continue to grow the show i continue to make it bigger and better and i have continued support and i'm incredibly appreciative of it And there's some people that I have to thank. Now there's a ton of tiers you can help support on the Patreon, but my favorite is the $10 tier where you can watch these episodes recorded live. It's the live before a studio audience tier. You get all of the perks of the three other tiers, but every Wednesday at about 8.30 Mountain Standard Time, I record these episodes and if you like them and you want to support, you can be here, part of the audience. So some people I have to thank quick, starting from the top, I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you you, Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. After Marcus, I have to thank Mellow Millhouse. Thank you, Mellow Millhouse. And last but certainly not least, I have to thank Captain Lennox. Thank you to Captain Lennox. Because of you guys, the show continues to grow and can get bigger and stronger. And I have added support. And I love you. And I thank you. Speaking of Patreon, if you'd like to choose the lore for the week, you can go on into the Patreon and I will post a poll and your voice will be heard in what you want to hear this week. So this week I was thinking to myself, I want to do a location and I want to do a location in the earliest, sorry, the second earliest bit of the timeline, an original OG game or the latest in the timeline as far as we know from a modern game and i was sitting there and i was thinking about what i want to do and i was thinking about something bare bones or something high-tech and futuristic and it came down to necropolis from fallout 1 or the Pridwin from fallout 4. so if you'd like to have your voice heard and what lore gets chosen each week in the description below is a link to the patreon even at the one dollar tier yes the one dollar tier you have your voice heard in what is this week's lore and by way of patreon this week's lore is on the Pridwin from Fallout 4. Now I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com the nougapedia if you will and before I get started there's something that I wanted to read directly off of the wiki. Now I wanted to read this directly off the wiki just because it's. More about the Prydwen, its naming, convention, where it's from. And this is, like I said, directly from fallout.fandom.com, the Wikipedia. Prydwen, Middle Welsh literature, fair-faced or handsome. It is the name of King Arthur's ship in the naval Welsh literature concerning the legendary character. Arthur and his men board it to sail to the otherworldly fortress of Anun in the somewhat... Cryptic poem, Pray They Anoon, as well as when they sail to it from Ireland in an attempt to gain a magical cauldron in the prose text, and excuse me for this one, Colwith and Olin. It is not explicitly named in any other native Arthurian tales or poems. And in the Anglo-Norman literature that drew from the native materials, Arthur does not appear to have a comparable vessel. King Arthur shares the name and status with the elder who commands the Pridwin. Now the Pridwin being the ship that the Brotherhood of Steel have control of. A little background on the Prydwen. It's, it's a warship. It's a vessel. It's something that I appreciate the hell out of because it carries not just military tradition, but nautical tradition. One of just the coolest traditions. It weighs 40,000 tons. It is unarmed, but it carries vertebrates, troops, and surplus to be a formidable opponent doesn't necessarily directly have a cannon or a gun on it but it can launch vertebrates so it's a it's a gun it's a gun a drone with a gun on it it has an armory a clinic barracks research facility and workshops pretty much anything that makes it useful for a long-form attack they can pick up in boston go to any other state land, and then go back to DC at the end of the day. Now I have some quotes here from Captain, Lance Captain Kells. Yes, quite a feat of engineering she is. It took the Brotherhood's sharpest minds over two years to design and more than that to build it now the time difference between fallout 3 and fallout 4 is 10 years fallout 3 is 2277 and fallout 4 is 2287 and in between that time maxson grows and becomes an elder the youngest elder the brotherhood has ever seen but he becomes a man And I don't mean, like, he's been through some stuff and, like, he, like, watched his loved ones die and, like, got a temp job and a job job just to, like, get by for a few weeks and, like, you know, put down a down payment on, like, a really shitty 1999 Honda Civic. And it was just kind of living with that. And his baby mama was acting. None of that. Like, it's all he grew up like he's an adult in the eyes of the law. Not that it really matters in this this world but he's an adult he's a man and he's watching the brotherhood change to the east coast brotherhood that is being set up in fallout 3 and him being being disgusted with it and wanting to change wanting to be a formidable foe kind of in the way that the original Brotherhood is, but not really, to be honest, because the Brotherhood wanted to be left alone. The Brotherhood's like, yo, we want to gather tech, leave us alone. I want to make sure that the nukes don't happen a second time. And I'll get into where they find all of these pieces in just a moment. I would like to read another quote from Lance Captain Kells construction of the P- Pridwin required a vast amount of resources, far more than the Brotherhood possessed when we began. We spent the first two years alone gathering the parts and the rest was the assembly. Now that's just a snippet right there. Most of the components were salvaged from the Adams Air Force Base after the Enclave defeat in 2277 2278. Now, if you've played Fallout 3, in the DLC for Broken Steel, where you actually get to see what the Enclave is up to and there's one final base, you get to invade and take it out. You get to nuke it. And during that, they the Brotherhood takes over Adams Air Force Base and they salvage everything that's there. They salvage every piece of, of scrap metal, every wire, every doohickey, every doodad. Big difference. And they put it all together and they take all these pieces, they take all of this research, they take all this design team, they take all this R&D, and they put it together and they build the Pridwin. Now, the Pridwin. I didn't see it on the wiki, maybe I'm wrong, but I remember the Prydwen being a thing that was talked about in 2015 when this game was announced that in one of the spin-off games, one of the, the tactics games, or even Brotherhood of Steel, the Pridwin shows up. So f- the Bethesda is grabbing what they want from the non-three main, I'm sorry, the three non-mainline games, and is taking that and is saying, hey, this is what we want to be part of the canon. I hope they don't bring Ball's Cola into the canon. Again, a quote from Kells. She was constructed at the Adams Air Force Base, just outside of Washington, D.C. There was a vast amount of scrap metal and salvageable components there after the defeat of the Enclave. In Fallout New Vegas, there's the Brotherhood of Steel questline that you could do with Veronica Santagello, And when you do that questline, they bring up the chain of command. And I'm not going to go too much into that, but I want to bring up that it exists and that if Fallout 4 does anything right, it follows some sort of chain of command. They show you that. Even early on in Fallout 1, there is just a... I don't believe it's ever stated outright that there is a chain of command, but there is a semblance of it being a thing and it's very much there's a presence to it and in the chain of command you can't go above or below certain things you have to go up the rungs and some of the top leadership aboard the pridwin during the commonwealth tour is very important because the brotherhood is is reliant upon archaic methods that work for them in my opinion the Brotherhood is not going to survive because they want to adopt... The current Brotherhood is not going to survive... Because they want to adopt the old school ways with a new school look. And it's not going to work. It worked when it was, we are a small society onto ourselves, But now, it's, we don't believe that synths or super mutants or ghouls are human. And I'm not saying that the original Brotherhood did or didn't feel the same way. They didn't go out of their way to destroy things because they existed... The super mutants in fallout 1 posed a threat some ghoul walking around that's not feral doesn't really pose a threat now the big dog the top man elder arthur maxon the last descendant of the maxon lineage and the supreme commander of the east coast brotherhood of steel during the events of fallout 4. he can be met as a child in the citadel in dc in fallout 3. lance captain kells the head lancer and the skipper of the Prydwen. I had to look up what skipper was because I thought it was like the right-hand man, which would make sense, but it actually just is means captain. And he oversees all field operations. There's Proctor Teagan, the vessel's quartermaster, which the quartermaster provides quarters, obviously, uh, but also rations, clothing, and other miscellaneous supplies. He himself is the head of the order, Of the sword there is knight sergeant gavel is head of the airport supply depot under that we have proctor ingram head of the power armor maintenance i always thought proctor ingram was cool she lost her legs and she they used a power armor frame to make her a person again which i know is awful to say but they made her be able to walk about with it and she is head of the order of the shield and is the lead on the Liberty Prime project to get him back up in a working order. Under that we have Proctor Quinlan, oversees all research and discovery. All field scribes report to Proctor Quinlan, and he is the head of the Order of the Quill. Knight Captain Cade is one of the Brotherhood of Steel's most talented doctors, and they have him on the Pridwin. There's also uh, senior scribe Naraya, head of the Brotherhood's biological research. Now. The Brotherhood very much exudes this feeling of a well-oiled machine, a machine that might be a little too well-oiled, a little too killdozer, if you know what I mean. Like that guy who his local government was screwing him over, so he devised the killdozer. They're so well-made, like they're such an efficient force that they're destructive to a fault, like they're effective to a fault any organization that has this amount of people that I just listed off these higher ups these brotherhood lifers these people that will be in the military forever this form of military forever they're incredibly smart they're incredibly good at what they do imagine if these these resources were thrown somewhere else imagine if they never joined the brotherhood there's a lot of things that that could or couldn't happen here a lot of very interesting things from this and it's tribes really it's tribes it's factions like the brotherhood that when you see what they can put their mind to it's mind-blowing it's insane to see that they can do something like this that they can make a working ship there's a lot of really great loot you can get here a lot of fun stuff you can get different power armors you can get different uh weapons there's quantums here but what i really would like to talk about is just some quick notes. The Pridwin will appear in a cutscene when the player character exits Fort Hagen during the quest reunions, flying over the map's western mountain range and making its way across the Commonwealth until it finally anchors above the Boston airport. After this, the sole survivor can visit the airship during the quest Shadow of Steel offered by Paladin Dance. The game is so reliant An old buddy of mine, uh, White Collar, he's a modder for Fallout 4, for all the falls, but for Fallout 4, uh, he tried to make a mod that redid something. And if you don't do this quest, if you don't have that proc, and the Pridwin shows up, the entire game just, like falls apart. It's that big of a segment. And I'd be lying if I said that, that that scene didn't impress me the first time. It's a really cool scene when it shows up. If you avoid the Cambridge police station and not interact with Brotherhood of Steel whatsoever, when the Prydwen shows up, the vessel is referenced as the Brotherhood of Steel airship. You can destroy the Prydwen through the events of the game. They show it in the trailer. But if you do that, you can go to its, its remains, its ruins, and there will be respawning Brotherhood members that you can loot, that are dead. And then sometimes scribes, knights, and paladins at- appear and attack you as well. Now, something that I think is really interesting is Fallout 4. When you bring certain people to certain places, and I believe the other games do it as well, but in Fallout 4 I remember it more than the others, and I don't really know why when you bring certain people aboard certain companions aboard they have unique dialogue so bringing nick valentine aboard caused a brotherhood member to question whether the player is a is concerned that nick is a spy a member also claims that machines shouldn't have free will leading nick to rhetorically ask the commenter whether they believe that because they fortified their own free will a long time ago. A member also states that Nick discussed them, leading to Nick retorting that the feeling is mutual. Bringing Hancock on board causes a member to ask the sole survivor whether that thing is tame, leading Hancock to chuckle and mumble hardly. If you bring Strong aboard, it causes a member to shout, Muty aboard, leading Strong to say the member is being too loud and he wants to throw them off the bow. If you bring X-688 aboard, it causes... Bring X-688 aboard, some members of the Brotherhood will, will observe that something is off about the Soul Survivor's pal, leading X-688 to state his synth designation and status as a courser and casually note that he could easily kill all personnel aboard without a second thought. I remember back in the day there was a video, I don't remember who it was by, that they brought X6 onto the Pridwin and then dismissed him and he took out everybody. And that's just because companions can't die, but it was neat. But so did half the people on the Pridwin just not die. So this one I thought was super interesting, and I want there's another one that I want to make sure I got exact. The vessel's name is pronounced differently by certain characters. Military Frequency AF95 broadcasts it as Predwin, whereas Paladin Dance, Lance Captain, Kells, and most other characters pronounce it as Prydwin. The Welsh pronunciation is Prydwin. It's a very neat piece of lore it's a very neat piece of machinery it's efficient it gets the job done it's unique it is what it is and it's fun and it's something that could only have been in fallout 4 and i mean that the best way possible i mean that very much in the sense of it's something that i feel like you wouldn't see in a new vegas you wouldn't see it i think you'd see it in fallout 2 i think you would i feel like Fallout 2 is a grander scale but I don't think you'd see it in, in New Vegas. I feel like New Vegas being like a spiritual successor directly to Fallout 2 is a little more grounded. And that could be because I only had 18 months to develop it, but I could see this being like a big thing if if it popped up in a, in a, a Black Isle version, an interplay version. It's it's really cool. It's the Pridwin man. I remember seeing that the first time and thinking, yo, I can blow it up. Oh, yeah. But that, my friends, is all I have on this week's lore. So early on in the program, I mentioned to you that I lied. I, I, I want to apologize right now. I'm very, very sorry. I didn't mean to. You know, they always say we hurt the ones we love the most and lying... Lying is just a son of a bitch, man. It's, it's it's the easiest thing. It's like the most easy sin. You know what I mean? It's the easiest thing to get away with. One man once told me, don't start lying, because then you get good at it, right? I think about that a lot. But last week, I lied to you, and I said that I wasn't going to be talking about Starfield anymore, and I lied. Because Papa, Daddy, Kyle, he sent me something by a fella named rhino the bouncer on twitter starfield updates from the esrb you are a miner set out to find artifacts around the galaxy part of the story prominently emphasizes on a fictional drug named aurora the game involves a section where players will wake up in a drug lab face varieties of enemies classes varying from human robot and alien creatures Weapons vary from axes and explosives to futuristic guns and lasers. In-game transactions could refer to modding, not just microtransactions. And rated M for mature. The game features blood, language, and sexual scenes, drugs, and violence. Now that being said, I thought we could play a game. We could play a game where we discuss what we think the story or some story beats of the next game is gonna be so please in the comments below let me know what you think the story is going to be how it's going to play out something i don't remember how many worlds are in the game but let me know what you think let me know if you think it's going to be uh if you think it's going to be more of a corrupt government if you think it's going to be more of a decent world that has now been infected by drugs i want to kind of go i'm just going to kind of go and i'm going to tell you my prediction based on that information which isn't a lot but i'm going to tell you what i think starfield is going to be about i think the game is going to start as you being a miner working for a mining company and one of the options you're going to get early on that kind of sets out what you want to do is If you want to kind of be a shill for the company, and I think the mining company is slowly going to divulge the secrets that the company you're working for is a front to mine more Aurora. And I think you're going to find that out very, very quickly, and you're going to find out how this Aurora affects people. I think the drug lab that you wake up in, I wouldn't be surprised, is a quest where you find something about the Aurora being made and how your company that you work for, the mining company that you work for, is behind it in some, they're funneling money that way, it's a front, it's something, and you're going to find out that the pirates that are part of the game are, because there it is confirmed there are space pirates that the pirates are very much a part of this and that they are taking money from the company but then the like head pirate let's call him swashbuckles mcgee swashbuckles mcgee with a big beard he he says you know what i'm doing all of this but they've showed me where they get everything from i could take over this i could run the starfield the galaxy i could run all of this and I don't have to have a middleman. I can just take all their stuff. And from there, you're going to kind of get put down a course of what's going on. I think there's many stories to be had. And if Bethesda does this correctly, which I don't doubt they will, but if they do this correctly, not everything is going to be about the Aurora drug. It's going to be more about, Hey, this is going on over here. And then, Hey, have you heard about this over that way? Hey, hi, side quest. Um, our people are starving has nothing to do with Aurora. Just please help us, like, stuff like that I really would like to see. I'm, I'm excited to see what this could be. Uh, any type, of, I'm always into the idea of, like, a drug. Like, the idea of someone being like, oh, hey, this is a thing that, like, rules everything. That's, I've said it before, I'll, I'll shit on uh, Bioshock, but I like that Bioshock is Adam. It's, it's interesting that it was something so, it was so good, it was a heroin so great that everybody lost their mind because of it. I like stuff like that quite a bit, actually. I think there's going to be a point in this game where... I think there's going to be a part where you can take the Aurora, and I don't think it's going to be something like Jet that you can just pick up and go. I think that this is going to end with either the entire galaxy getting addicted to Aurora because of the space pirates, or it's going to be regulated and kind of put everybody into like an opium den state where opium dens exist and these dens for people to go and do drugs exist but they're like federally regulated and it slowly brings everybody into a kind of drugged haze or like i I hope there's multiple endings and not just good bad neutral and i i hope that there's one that's like there's one that's going to be like hey everyone's addicted because of the pirates and it's just free-flowing and it's anarchy or it's regulated but it's regulated so like you get hooked right away and then you're in opium dens and you spend all your money there or, or aurora dens and then there's one that's like yeah i think people should have the right to choose but understand the risks and another one's gonna be like no one's allowed to have it. and i wouldn't be surprised if one of them is just blow up the like main ore that we're getting this out of maybe it's something as simple as the main food supply is just manipulated in such a way maybe the food is is pill form maybe it's like soil and green not saying it's soil and green itself but maybe it's something like that where it's like oh hey hey put this together and do that there, like this and you get like a pill a substance a something or other and you kind of have your own version of that and you manipulate its, its atoms? I, don't, I didn't pay attention in biology class. You, you manipulate one little thing on it and you change it from C8396 to 3830 or C8, whatever I said, 39-9, and you moved it up three decimals or something, and all of a sudden it's getting you wacky ass. I'd, I'd love to know what you think. I hope I don't have to talk about this game again until it comes out. Once it comes out, like I said, I'm probably going to buy it, and then that's it. I'm not talking about it after right this very moment. That, my friends, is all I have for you this week. My name has been Vince. This is Atomic Radio Hour, the post-nuclear podcast. The intro music is by the one and only Shane Ivers. It's called Feather Duster, and you can get all of his heaters, all of his free music at silvermansounds.com slash free music. There's links in the description below to to my Twitter, Kyle's Twitter, and the show's Twitter. Down below is also a link to the Patreon. Check out the Patreon if you get a chance. Support if you have the ability Too. I appreciate everyone who does And I love you very much There's also the Redbubble where you can buy a design That has been made for this show Or some of the other projects I've been working on You can get that on the Redbubble Support in a very very small way Or just share this with a friend I love you very much And I hope I will be seeing you sometime soon Be safe Be good to each other Do something new Go on a hike You know what I'm just going to say it If you're listening to this you're listening to this, this far in Text her Just text her bro The worst you could say is no. Just do it. You'll feel better when it's over. All right. I love you. See you next week. Bye. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. A Ghoulman Entertainment Production.